On this episode, a tour of Swallow's Independent Jaguar. JECpodcast.com. Hello and welcome to another Jaguar Enthusiast Club podcast. Wayne Scott with you. Hope you're keeping well and getting through December okay because amazingly it's the end of the year already. Uh, but that does mean, of course, that we're looking forward to 2024 and all of the exciting events that are lined up for the Jaguar calendar for next summer. And there's loads of them online already for you to start booking tickets for, especially JC Tracksport. Now, tickets for Harewood, that's the hill climb in Yorkshire, brilliant day, stunning venue, breathtaking views across the valley and a really relaxed, informal day, great surroundings to enjoy your Jaguar in. That's online, ready for booking now, as is the big season opener. And you're not going to want to miss this because if you've ever dreamt of driving... The circuit that the Goodwood Revival is set on, this is your chance. We are going to Goodwood with JEC Tracksport. And you can book your tickets now. It's online, jec.org.uk. Don't miss out because tickets are limited. We do want everyone to enjoy their time on track and get plenty of track time. So they are limited. Make sure you don't miss out. Goodwood, the opening round of the JEC Tracksport Track Day programme for 2024 online to book now also the other shows Bewley we're back there with a Simply Jaguar festival in June looking forward to that again it was brilliant last summer looking forward to another great day out in the sunshine for 2024 and of course the big one the summer Jaguar festival split between Gaydon and Chesford Grange just outside Kenilworth the home of Jaguar where we'll be celebrating 40 years of the Jaguar Enthusiast Club Lots of exciting things then to look forward to in 2024. Now, Swallow's Independent Jaguar, you'll be familiar with both from Jaguar Enthusiast magazine and, of course, from Tom Robinson, who is a regular guest here on the podcast. And when they announced a few weeks ago that they'd opened a whole new workshop facility there, it got the better of my curiosity. I had to pop down and have a look. So I met Tom down at Swallow's Independent Jaguar, down there in Somerset, for a poke around behind the scenes. So come with me as we get a tour of Swallow's Independent Jaguar next. You're listening to the Jaguar Enthusiasts podcast. To find out what events you can get along to or to discover local club meets in your region, visit jec.org.uk. You find me at a quite busy roadside, actually, in the middle of Somerset on a dark November evening. And by the way, if I'm sounding a little bit nasalist because we're fresh from the NEC Classic Motor Show and everyone gets some kind of weird cold bug when we leave that show. Uh, but never mind any of that because here I am looking around a Jaguar specialist that is no stranger to this podcast. Of course, I'm talking about Swallow's Independent Jaguar down here in Somerset. And I'm stood at the very front of their, their facility, we'll call it that, and I'm looking at all of the cars they have for sale. And I get very special treatment when I come here recording a podcast. This probably wouldn't happen to most people. But stood literally at the front gate is Tom Robinson. Hello, Tom. Hi, Wayne. How are you? I'm very good. It's a bit chilly and a bit muggy out here today. Um, but you've got loads of lovely cars for sale. And this is where you keep your sort of front of house stock, isn't it? Yeah, that's correct. So this is kind of a new addition to Swallows. It's only been here for a couple of years because we're based on a farm. So we've got a nice road frontage. It's on the main A38 
Gate, which is literally five minutes from Junction 22. And we've, yeah, we've got a selection of cars out the front here, which my brother and my dad seem to do that side of the business. My dad does the, the buying and Jack does the selling. So yeah, we've got a variety of cars on the front for sale. And how long has Swallows been here? Um, so we've been here for over 25 years, but we actually had a premises previously in Middlesex. But um, next year is actually our 40th year, so um, it's, a, it's a big number for us and it's something we're really excited about. But I'm third generation, so my granddad was involved, my dad, myself and also my brother. And always Jaguar? Always Jaguar, yeah. Now we've obviously swayed a little bit on the Land Rover side with the modern stuff. Um, but yeah, it's always, always been Jaguar. Growing up, there was only ever one job for you and Jack, wasn't there? Absolutely, yeah. I don't think I actually had a choice in the matter. <laughs> um, no, uh, to be fair, initially, uh, when I first came into the trade, obviously, I, I did look around. But no, I absolutely love Jaguar. I've done various sides of the business as well. And um, yeah, I've only got the heart for one brand, to be honest with you. Well, that's why we're here as well, to have a look around some of the Jaguars. And just to give people an idea of the sort of vehicles that you're selling, talk us through some of the cars you've got here. Because there's a massive variety as well, isn't there? From a very sort of normal, everyday-looking XF in front of us to a lovely F-Type and everything in between. Yeah, so on the left here, we've got a 17-plate um, F-Type, which is actually the 400 edition. Um, so that's something that's just come in and landed with us. And exactly as you said, we've then got a, a 2010 XF. We've got a... Well, we've got a couple of X150s, X100 here. So we kind of do the stuff we like, to be honest with you. Any of the models that we really enjoy, and we like the features, we just tend to be what we sell, if that makes sense. We don't do any of the anything that's brand new. Around a sort of 10-year mark is where we sort of seem to fit in. And what is selling well at the moment? Because I guess it sort of goes through leaps and bounds and fashions, doesn't it? Yeah, you're absolutely bang on. I mean, for us, a popular one at the moment is the X150, um, or XKR 4.2, 5 litre, really any of that version. And also the X100, um, they seem to be really popular at the moment. I think it's uh, a lot of it's down to obviously the direction that Jaguar are going. It's almost like these are the last of the line of the V8 supercharged cars. So we always do well with those and whatever we can get, we do tend to sell. We're starting to do a lot more of the F-Type just because they're coming into the kind of second or third ownership now. So they're always popular, but we still do plenty of the XF, which is kind of most people's sort of everyday car. I still remember when the XF was launched course replacing the s-type really in that middle sector of the market for jaguar and they really have had a huge following both for business vehicles but also family cars as well haven't they yeah they they do both really well obviously you've got the diesels which are good for for mileage and computing if that makes sense so quite a lot of people that um, are doing business mileage go well that that fits that bill but also you've got the the sport brake which fits into the family category so you can get um, seats prams etc into the back with plenty of luggage space so they, they kind of fit all purposes really well if i stand in this parking lot any longer i fear i might end up buying something here so let's get out of here and walk across the gravel to where you would normally start to meet some of the team here at swallows and you enter through the big gates across the drive and the first thing that presents you is a nice sign denoting where reception is and this is a relatively new bit of the building for you isn't it tom yeah so obviously as i said earlier this is a, a farm buildings here so we've slowly converted most of the the barns and um, into our premises so in front of us we've got what actually used to be a pigsty believe it or not which we've obviously knocked through and opened up into our main office so as you come through we wanted it to be kind of front house we we've done the first quarter of it the eventual plan is to go all the way through to the left 
they're actually a toilet block at the moment but the plan is is to to merge this with that the workshop that's behind now the workshop behind which we'll go into in a minute was where we started we just had two ramps in there um, and as we walk around you'll see we've kind of added new commercial units as we've gone most of the units we, we couldn't because they were block built if that makes sense they were awkward to extend so we've just added brand new steel buildings that we've been able to get compliant and to the right sizes that we need and of course uh, off to the left here is the very famous swallows racing lorry transporter now where of course all of the team cars will talk about what swallows do with racing in just a moment and a number of the customer cars around as well awaiting work so you'll enter through the reception desk looking at it here is a very nice counter so the guys will be able to greet you as you come in to pick up both parts and to book your car in I guess as well Tom. Yeah that's correct we've got um, Sydney and Daryl that are front of house Daryl's a service advisor for us um, and Sydney um, deals with all of our bookings etc and uh, takes care of everyone while the cars are with us and then we've got Joe that's parts focused on the left hand side there um, he deals with pretty much all of the the kind of genuine parts from the dealer we also have aftermarket solutions and obviously we do lots of performance options as well so what we try to do is give people alternatives when they're coming in for a service so they have a choice they can we can fit all the genuine com uh, components if that's what they would prefer or we can offer them performance or upgraded parts whilst they're in with us brilliant well we won't disturb them all in there because it is rammed because it's friday evening and everyone's picking up their cars for the weekend so uh, we'll let the uh, office staff keep all of the customers happy and we're going instead round to the right hand side of where reception is across the concrete yard and what I see here to my left is a whole selection of quite familiar vehicles actually we've got one of the Palmer Sport XKs there that you'll have seen at the JC Track Sport events there's Jack's XJ40 racing car here as well and a number of uh, the other customers' cars, a beautiful XJS that we've actually just been shooting today for the driven item in Jaguar Enthusiast magazine and a wonderful uh, V12 Series 3 E-Type as well so a whole manner of different vehicles here at Swallows being worked on as we uh, enter into what is now a busy workshop and as all good workshops have a good radio blasting lots of uh, activity in here and there's been plenty of welding going on by the looks of it so this is where it all began for swallows isn't it yeah exactly so this this was actually the cow shed so we had just two bays in here and um, yeah now is what we're actually doing is we're slowly in the process of moving this workshop to one of the other units which is mainly where we do the race preparation really so we've got my race car that we obviously retired for this year um, the the SCV8 that sat here as well so at the moment it's storage um, and just one bay but the ultimate plan is to to add this in with the offices at the front and we're going to have this as a as a showroom and a place where we can display all of our performance parts and accessories fantastic and of course this scv8 the racing x type that has so much history to it was never really seen in competition properly driven in anger because well basically it just struggled to be qualifying for any of the set of regulations didn't it really yeah absolutely it was almost um it, i mean it was a series that never happened um I, I think at the end of the day the aussies do a similar series now the super v8 but it just didn't take off in the uk from the kind of the research that we found with obviously owning the car that they actually sold quite a large number of cars but i believe it was to do with the tv rights which is why it never actually um came through in the end but they ended ultimately ended up at british touring car so these obviously then don't fit in that category because they were vh um, silhouette based cars but the, it's a real shame because the actual concept is great it would have been brilliant so 500 horsepower v8s rear wheel drive no traction no abs um, but we're obviously hoping to to finish it and to get it back out there and actually do some racing with it 
And of course, a name involved with this, synonymous with Jaguar's history as well. If you go right back into the mid-1970s and look at the story of the Broadspeed uh, XJ Coupe V12s, there was a man who drove them very skillfully indeed alongside the likes of Derek Bell. Of course, that was Andy Rouse, and Andy Rouse, uh, part of the team that engineered these cars as well, Tom. Yeah, absolutely. It was actually, I believe, the last car built by Rouse Hall. So it was uh, the last one that left there. We are slowly recommissioning the car. We've even got all of the original drawings with the car, which was done by Andy himself. We've got lots of the info, photos. So we're going to, like I said, get it back out there and get it on track. And it's never actually raced. So I'm feeling a little bit of pressure with this one, with, <laughs> yeah. with the name that's involved with the car. Yeah. Well, hopefully you'll see it debut at a JEC Tracksport event soon and we can see what might have been had these cars had the one make V8 series that uh, they really should have had uh, at the beginning of the 2000s. Amazing to think this is 20 years old now, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and the concept behind it was that any manufacturer could put their body shell on the same chassis. So the idea of it was that it would just rule out budgets all of the chassis damper spec and tire was all the same and it was down to the driver and each manufacturer could then get their kind of image by putting the body on the car so um, I think it, ultimately it's what touring car is now, isn't it? Um, but this was 20 years ago. Now we're walking back out of those workshops, back out the door we came in, and uh, across the gravel, even more customer cars here waiting for some love and attention from the Swallows team, including an Aston Martin DB7, of course, sharing so much of its underpinnings with Jaguars. So fits in very nicely here. Uh, a number of the X100, XK8s parked up, and this just goes to show how many different customers' cars you have here on site at any one time doesn't it Tom because these are all waiting work in absolutely, some way or another. Absolutely everything in this compound is is waiting for, for workshop services so whether it be a, a basic service all the way through to a full rebuild really um, and as you said we've got such an array of cars here um, I guess that is the one downside to us having lots of space we tend to to have quite a large number of cars on site probably more than we should um, but it does make it very easy for customers with some of these vehicles being their second car they can just drop them off leaving with us for a period with a courtesy car and we can uh, book it in and get it scheduled through the workshops and I love the fact I'm looking across here and there's an XF over there DB7 next to the DB7 uh, X308 there and X300 yep. in the corner these are waiting restoration are they yeah absolutely yeah we do um, pretty much anything from XJS up to date so we get such a massive variety we tend to stay away from the more classics now um, mainly because of my experiences with the more modern vehicles and also the team that we have um, some of the staff that we have are now retired that were there with my dad when they were working on the classics so we've just focused on where our strengths are um, and there seems to be a huge gap on these as you said x300 x308 market because unfortunately they were actually very advanced at their time but the diagnostics each year it's updated unfortunately um, wipes a lot of the earlier data so we've been very fortunate that we've kept all of the equipment that we've had and we can go from x300 all the way up to date and it's something that we're making sure that we can keep alive to be honest with you brilliant well of course as well the cars that we can't see here in the compound are your other set of customers which are the racers and yep. um, we were just over in the race preparation bay there but you now have a pretty solid team of customers that come to you for support throughout the season haven't you yeah absolutely as i think we've discussed before it was a bit of a hobby gone wrong really the, the racing <laughs> is our passion it was something that we always did the weekends and it's now slowly merging into the business and it's becoming bigger and bigger we have a, a team of guys as we said earlier we've got the lorry so we run sort of four or five cars over a weekend 
um, in the Jaguar series and then we, we also build various different cars for customers as well. So um, this is why one of the reasons why we looked at extending our premises here. So we've just put up a brand new 5,000 square foot workshop which we'll take you through in a minute and that was mainly to deal with the, the bulk of our servicing and our maintenance which is the, the kind of bread and butter, the daily work if that makes sense. So um, we, we got a six bay set up in there with a four wheel liner as well so that can cater for kind of all the modern cars up to date. Um, which then gave us the old workshop which was space for the racing because that was kind of bursting at the seams in the in the old workshop really as you know with a lot of these bespoke cars we, we have them for a longer period mm. and they're they're sat on a bay for a larger chunk of time so when you've got day in day out servicing and diagnostics coming in it doesn't quite work so we've had to separate those facilities and as we're going to show you now we've also got fabrication on site so a lot of the components that we have we make and manufacture in-house um, and this is what this unit is here so this is the uh, the first step of the racing side where we produce everything in-house this is like the wizard's cave here at swallows isn't it so uh, another of the large barns sort of agricultural in descent really and as a walk past well lit looking a little bit more high tech in here and there is a body shell of a race car uh, in preparation and I'm guessing here by the looking of, of what's happening in this engine bay there's some exhaust manifold design work going on is that right? Yeah absolutely so this is where we, we do all of the, the fabrication um, and this is a, a car that we're building for next season um, he's actually a member Rick Walker so we're we're doing a full tubular manifold as you can see an exhaust system um, and then it will then move over to the other side and we're actually as you can see there's a couple of different 3D printed bits on here we use a lot of 3d printing for prototyping so we've designed a different inlet manifold for this so that will now be machined at billet um, and then we'll then install that here and it's it's actually going to for, for wiring next week actually so we're just in the final throes of test fitting and everything before we do the final um, manufacture of every part fantastic great call for exhaust systems but also i guess this is where you're developing all of your bespoke chassis and suspension components as well yeah absolutely we always try to whatever we um so we reproduce for road use we'll always prove and test on track um so we do various different products um so for the x300 as we know i raced the, the supercharge application for a good few seasons which was very successful um so rick's benefiting from a lot of that development and we're reproducing those parts and and we also do a toned down version for road use so you can probably see it at the back there we've got a cnc tube bender so we can reproduce these into small batches if that makes sense we don't do just one off we like to obviously uh, cater for the road going car so we may not do a full equal length tubular manifold um, for a road car but we would have a, a smaller version of that a more compact version that might not be quite equal length but it's more practical for a road car whereas the one that's in front of us is obviously full equal length and it just wouldn't work within a, an oem car if that makes sense now, I do know that upstairs is a uh, very tucked away office, isn't it? There's, and no one ever gets to go up here. <laughs> no. This is like the secret place, and you have to climb these sort of metal steps here, as we will do. And uh, through a door at the top, into a special facility, so special, ladies and gentlemen, that it has a security key code lock on the door because in here is where all of the stock is kept and also all of the trade secrets Tom this is where stuff is developed and squirreled away so that no one else can find out what you're working on yeah absolutely so the little office there is is where um, Nick does all the design work we've got the 3d printers and as you come through is what basically our parts stores so we keep all the performance parts, all the servicing and maintenance parts. And, and what we try to do is, is most of the time when people have a problem with a car, it's, it's an issue to them. It's, a, it's their only transport, etc. So we try to keep as much in stock.
stock as possible. So when the car lands with us, we can turn it around as quickly as possible. So we've got everything in here from a, a standard brake pad all the way through to a, a full Motorsport Tarox kit. Um, obviously damper kits, springs, wheels filters the full works really proper aladdin's cave in here it's the grotto at swallows do you think having 3d printers that access to technology now that was once way beyond the means of a company you know even as large as swallows is now has that transformed the game for you yeah absolutely i mean they they've got to a point where we're obviously only printing in plastic most of what we do is for prototyping but even um, printers that are able to do metal now are actually getting to a point where they're starting to become to companies like us and it yeah. it completely changes things when we can design something in cad we can obviously stress test it we can look at it and we can change it very easily without producing something um, so quite often we'll find we'll come up with an idea we'll get it down on paper we'll then get it into cad we'll print it and it doesn't work so we've already uh, not wasted any material and it's obviously limited cost so it means we can develop things quicker and it reduces the price of what that final component is as well which obviously helps everyone must be a immense sense of pride though to look around at the equipment you have here knowing that you've gone from being a relatively small garage all those years ago going back in your family history to now you know having a facility like this where you're employing a CAD designer and 3D printers that's pretty cool isn't it? No it is it's absolutely crazy and I think that's that's one thing that we always say we absolutely love what we do which huge help, hugely helps so and the motorsport for me keeps that fire going if when you're developing a product although some of the stuff we're doing is older cars we're still finding lap times and improvements for these old vehicles and for me that's that, that it really is the draw. Well one of the exciting things that has happened here at Swallows is that uh, as Tom mentioned a little earlier on there's a brand new facility in a brand new building which I'm very eager to go and see so uh, let's go and uh, leave this room behind and go and have a little look round at uh, what Swallows are developing now. And as we make our way out there, we're going past even more machinery here, Tom. And there's some proper good old school looking lathes down there, isn't there? Yeah, you need a lathe wherever you are. <laughs> that lathe has saved us on so many occasions of late nights going racing. But yeah, we've got, um, like I say, two lathes down there. We did actually have a mill, which is actually away getting repaired. And then we've got another tube bender down the back. We mainly use that for sort of aluminium pipe work on the cooling systems. Um, and this is an area that we're still building on, if that makes sense. Um, as you can see, it's a, it's a little bit of a mess at the moment while we're moving, but we've got a tire machines in here. In the new workshop, there'll be a bay for tires. So a lot of that's going to move out, which is going to give us some more space for some more machinery. Looks great to me. I always like a good uh, shed full of old machinery, but uh, onwards then through a big metal door and into... Uh Another workshop. You literally fall from one workshop to the next here, don't you? And in here are uh, two two post lifts and uh, another one of the race cars, of course, the XK8 that Jack was racing so brilliantly in last year's season. The, uh, the JP1 lives in here as well. Yeah, so this was our workshop. So this had four ramps and a four-wheel aligner in here, which we've obviously taken out now, and we've just got the two two-post lifts. So... Um, the plan with this is this is going to be basically assembly for Swallows Racing. So all the race cars are going to live in here. And we've got two dead bays each side to keep cars up on axle stands, which will be ongoing builds. And we're also having a flat patch put in here so that we can do corner weighting 
um, and geometry. We've, we've obviously got that facility in a new workshop, but we like to have the cars on hub stands when we're doing a lot of the geo setup. So we, we'll have that permanently on the scales. Um, that's where we kind of find most of our advantages and a lot of the setup we do is, is working around the scales. So we've got a dedicated patch for that now, which, which will really help. But we've also then got the, the two bays where we're doing the general in and out race car prep. Gives us a lot more space and flexibility. Um, whereas we might be doing a, a build that's taking sort of three to six months. But we also have a coilover kit that we fit into an XKR that we need to do a quick setup on. So this gives us the space and the opportunities to be able to do that. And another example of just how many different cars, even different areas of Jaguar that you look after. There's a pre-HE early XJS in here as well. Yeah, I mean, you, you just never see them anymore, do you? Um, this is actually a local car that we've had in for, for an electrical fault, which we've rectified. So it's just we've just stored it inside because it's such a nice example for the moment. It's going back to the customer next week. And up on the ramp is an XK8. And it's a car that is in here for some tender love and care. And, uh, you know, with all due respect to it, Tom, I think it needs it, doesn't it? There's uh, green mildew leaching out of the sill joints here. There's the usual bubbling at the back of the sills. Now, XK8s, I know there's hundreds of them in the club. Very popular car to be owning at the moment. But you are starting to see them on the market with just a few problems. Is there some common ones to look out for? Yeah, you're absolutely right. As you've already picked up on, Wayne, there's a little bit of corrosion on the body. So that that's probably the the key point to look out for on these there's there's a good few common areas that we see time and time again with these so just going from the front to about the first is the behind the front subframe it's a point that's always missed but they they basically build corrosion behind there there's a metal brake pipe and it normally corrodes through to the chassis and the only way to repair it correctly is to remove the front subframe Moving back is the front floor pans. They have a, a jig plate, which I'm sure many of you have read about, um, for production, which harbors dirt and moisture that corrodes through the floor pan. We've also then got the, the rear chassis rails where the A-frame bolts, that's a really common area again. And then the dreaded rear arches, which is where dirt and grime builds up. Um, and it just crows from the inside out. The good news is with the rear arches, you can genuinely see most of that. Yeah. Some of the horrors are, are hidden behind the subframe, which is the ones you've really got to look out for there. The trouble with the XK8 is there's no join between the panels, is there? And one of the problem areas, as you mentioned, is those rear wings. And if you've got to do a small repair, you've basically got to blend the paint right up to the roof, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, exactly that. I mean, it's a beautiful shape, and I can see why Jaguar did do it. But from a repair perspective, it's very awkward because, as you said, you've got to paint up into the roof. If it's a good paint shop, they can get away with blending. But what often happens, as you know, is it comes back eventually and you can normally see that blemish. So generally, we normally do both rear quarters and the roof. And unfortunately, if it's metallic, which they quite often are, you end up blending a little bit into the door as well. Um, but what we are finding is the value of the XK seems to be strong at the moment. So from our perspective, we're seeing a huge amount of people that are actually willing to spend the time or money to get these up to really high standards. So this one that we're looking at, Wayne, as you suggested, it's been sat for a while. This one, as you can see, we've already done the rear axle. We'll be doing the front next, and it's having complete front and rear axle rebuilds. Um, it's having the paintwork done. It's got a set of our coilovers on it, the Tarox brake. So he's just modernizing a, a future classic, really. It's certainly lived a life. I'm looking down the uh, bottom of the sill here. You can see someone's been a little bit over-enthusiastic with jacking it in the wrong place. And uh, that was either a, a puncture on the side of the road 
or a certain tyre bay, which will remain nameless, that uh, turns things around very quickly, shall we say. Yeah. That's such a common problem, isn't it? It is. We see it all the time. And as you've just pointed out, Wayne, there's, it's literally right next to the jacking point, And it is, I think it's just a case of people being a bit lazy there. <laughs> they were so close, yet so far. And now the sill is bent. But there we are. Brilliant, though, to see one of these cars up on the ramp. You can come and have a real good look at it and have a good poke around and see what some of the common issues are with the XK8, but still a great club car and very popular within the Jaguar Enthusiast Club and quite popular now that you've started racing it, Tom. And it was a car that probably isn't naturally at home on a race circuit, you could argue, but it's done very well, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as we've discussed before, the XJSs, the prices is increased on those. It's very hard to find good examples or they are too expensive sometimes to take racing. So we we obviously had a great result with my car last year. So my car was a saloon and supercharged. That again, isn't really a car that anyone mm. sort of imagines to be a race car, but we wanted to do something completely different than this year. Jack did really well in his first year in the XJ40, but we wanted to to not do the same again so we wanted to give Jack the chance to shoot for the championship again but we wanted to do it in a GT and it had to be NA so we chose to go for a fairly standard class and the XKs as we were just discussing are very reasonably priced um, so we could we actually picked up a it was actually a Japanese car um, so the body shell was in really good condition which was perfect for racing but the engine had failed so we thought it was a perfect opportunity to turn one into a race car and we just focused on making it as light as possible um, and really focus on the handling we stayed with a standard engine um, we used the 4.2 the later engine put some really good management on it so we could build some data so we could come up with some mods in the future and and Jack actually drew on the championship overall, um, which was a tiebreaker. But the downside is he lost out on one overall win because they then had to move to overall wins, which was a which was a real shame for him because uh, it was so close. But he had a fantastic season, and it really showed us as well and everyone else that actually with with a lot of kind of uh, with lack of power and focusing on handling lights, it saves the tyres. And we really were mixing at the front with the V12s. Um, but we just didn't quite have the straight line speed to match. Exciting stuff to see and an example of how with a little bit of development work almost any Jaguar can take on a race championship or actually as a road car be an enjoyable track day vehicle because of course you've been such a great supporter of the JEC track sport events. They couldn't happen without Swallows Racing and the things that you put on for us and that's been really important for you, I guess, as well, to showcase the sport and to showcase what Jaguars and customers can do with them. Yeah, absolutely. As you just said, it's not a car initially, although Jaguar have got a huge history in racing. Some of these cars now, you, you're getting a stand when you think, why would this be good on track? But actually, they are brilliant. And there's lots of things you can do to improve them as well. So um, the XK, obviously, the, the main difference with that one is we convert it to a manual. Um, but even the standard XK, you can go out on track and have some really real good fun for not a lot of money in the case of track cars. Looks great sat here, as does the XK, the JP1. That's a single seater that if you attend JC track sport events, you would have seen. And... If you do attend regularly, you probably might have been out in it at some point as well, because of course that's what Swallows do. Their team of drivers come and give people driving experiences. Don't forget to have a look at the season for 2024 as it unfolds via jc.org.uk forward slash events. You can find all the track sport fixtures for 2024 up there. Now, we are stood at a very large opening to a very large barn. Now, I was here back in July 
filming an XJR15 in this very building and it looks a lot different now to how it looked then Tom it was well it was a bare barn then wasn't it but it's now full of lifts and posts and all the tools and all the guys are in here and it's busy yeah absolutely so when you came the floor wasn't painted it was just a blank canvas so since then we've we've obviously had all the brand new ramps installed um i don't think the four poster was there when you last came either was it no so yeah all electrics lights text tools that it's all ready to go now fantastic this gives you so much more expansion doesn't it and so much more ability to take on many customers cars at a time yeah absolutely and and the whole plan was um really to make sure that we had lots of space around the ramp so not only did we we build the facility for for six bays we could have probably actually got a lot more in here but what we decided to do was as you can see when we've got cars that we've still got space to have one on the ramp and one behind it for a diagnostics job so it gives the guys the flexibility to be able to to keep one on the ramp whilst bouncing off another one for a quick diagnostics keep the workflow coming through and then we've got the dedicated four-wheel liner that is always accessible for your quick tire or wheel alignment job i must just mention a quick story at this point because so many times i will visit garages or you'll have dealings with garages regardless of size some of them probably twice the size of swallows and they're booked out they're busy and if you turn up on spec with a bit of a problem a bit of an emergency you get turned away they can't help you that is not the experience you'll have at swallows because i've turned up today completely unannounced for this podcast my discovery three was a bit poorly shall we say very simple job to fix it and because of what you've just described there your ability to bounce between customers cars you were able to just pop my discovery up on the ramp and very quickly i'm back on the road again and that's an example of how quickly you're able to turn around customers cars and get them back on the road again isn't it yeah absolutely i mean at the end of the day when when you speak to to most of the the specialists out there we've got long booking times we were trying to think of a way of what we could do to to get back to that point where if someone drops in with a problem as you described we can quickly sort that and get them back on the road so back when we were in the parts um, shop earlier that's why we try to keep as much in stock as possible we obviously only see a small niche of cars so we tend to know their common issues so we can fix them quicker than most garages um, and exactly if we've got the space to do that we will try and accommodate that for people to get them turned around as quickly as possible fantastic and i guess all of this takes an awful lot of investment but it also means that as new cars come into your realm of customers, it also means you've got to keep up with all the technology. And as we've seen now, technology is huge with these cars and they're basically rolling computers. And of course, EVs are going to start coming into your workshops at some point. So is this the biggest period of investment that you've seen for a long time yeah absolutely i mean we, we're always evolving but yeah in a very short space of time we have had to put in a huge amount of investment to, to stay up with the times as i guess if you look at what's changed in the last 10 years on cars it's absolutely huge and that's every two to three years that we're getting big changes so it is very hard to keep up to date and I really do feel sorry for some of the garages that deal with all makes because we're obviously only Jaguar Land Rover and the amount of tools and equipment that we have to keep up to date. Um, we've also, uh, like you said, just starting to come into the realms of fully electric. Um, Phil, one of our technicians, is trained to date on that. Not everyone else is here, so we've also got to put some training investment in. Um, and going back to the reason why we space things out, that is so that we can have dedicated EV bay, if that makes sense. We see a huge amount of the plug-in Land Rover stuff now, which is getting more popular. And the other thing that we're also finding is, is with what's going on in the dealer network, we're seeing more cars that are in warranty than we ever have. 
I'm sure that's some of it because we've managed to improve our image with nice facilities, etc. People feel more comfortable in taking a car to an independent, but that seems to be growing more and more, and I think that's de- generally down to the lead times on the bookings. Has this facility you built here with all of these extra bays given you the ability to then hire extra people? Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people that are in the dealer network are nervous about their future with the announcements that JLR are making. So um, Phil's actually our newest member of the team that I just mentioned. John's been with us for a long period of time. Interestingly, uh, um, they were both master techs at the same dealer and Phil actually taught a lot of stuff to John, so it's really interesting that they're back together. Um, but yeah, it's it's a huge invest- investment keeping up to date, but we've got two new staff members starting um, at the end of the month. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll hopefully get those up to speed pretty quickly, all that are coming from JLR dealerships. How many does that now make you here at Swallows? Um, that would be six full-time technicians altogether. We've obviously got other techs on the motorsport side and myself. I tend to spend more time in the office now um, which is something I'm not too happy about but getting used to Um, but yeah we've also got the ability and space to have more techs when they come available. Brilliant well as you stand here now this is obviously a huge investment into your future but looking even further ahead what's the ambitions for Swallows where do you want to go next what's your big vision for the next 10-20 years? Well I mean ultimately on the on the racing side we'd like to to put some of the Jaguars up against the more modern GT stuff that's my goal on that front um, but yeah, we would love to, to, to future-proof what we're doing here with regards to making sure we can cater for these new Jaguar Land Rover vision they have with these all electrification. So um, for me, um, would be probably maintaining that and keeping that moving forward. That would be my goal. Um, and also, we don't want to forget about where Jaguar came from and we want to make sure that we can keep these models that are often forget alive, if that makes sense. So your X100, your X300, um, we want to be able to offer people almost new versions of those cars. It's a, it's a big challenge and we're wanting to take it on. Where can we find out more about Swallows, remind us? So obviously follow us on socials. We try to do as much as possible on there, but the website is where you can book the car in now, find out all of our servicing um, prices and obviously in the club magazine as well. So if there's any technical questions, feel free to drop them through to me and I'll uh, do my best to try and uh, keep them going. Brilliant. We'll put the links to all of those places on the description part of the podcast page. Huge thanks to Swallows for having me along for been shooting some of the cars here as well. So there's an XJS that's coming up in a future-driven article in Jaggy Enthusiast magazine. You may have started to listen to this podcast because you scanned the QR code from the magazine. Welcome and well done if you've done that. Uh, but we'll give you all those links, all the further information. Of course, Swallows very much a part of the Jaguar Enthusiast Club supporting our events and the technical content that we have in Jaguar Enthusiast magazine. Tom, thanks very much. Thanks, Wayne. Well, that's all for this episode of the Jaguar Enthusiast podcast. Do keep in touch with us, though, and let us know about your own Jaguar stories via the contact form at jcpodcast.com, where you can also sign up to receive new episodes of this podcast automatically for free by subscribing via your favourite podcast provider. We're on them all. Google, Apple, Spotify. Pick which one works for you. You can also join the Jaguar Enthusiast Club online by clicking the Join Now button on the top right-hand side of the podcast page at jcpodcast.com. When you join, you'll also get our big, chunky, glossy, lovely 180-page monthly magazine. It's all included in your membership of the worldwide Jaguar family that is the Jaguar Enthusiast Club. This is the Jaguar Enthusiasts Podcast. Subscribe for new episodes at jecpodcast.com.